Welcome to The Real Deal with Danielle Delaney. In the next hour, you'll hear from some phenomenal people and healthcare leaders and learn how their challenges became opportunities. Our goal is to show you how you can positively influence your own life experience and purpose and achieve success. And now, here is your host, Danielle Delaney. Hello, everyone, and welcome to my show, to The Real Deal with Danielle Delaney. And this is your host, Dr. Danielle Delaney. And I'm also the author of Expect Delays, How to Reclaim Your Life, Light, and Soul After Trauma, which you can find at expectdelaysbook.com and also at Barnes & Noble, also at Amazon. And um, it makes a great Christmas present. So if you want to buy it, go to expectdelaysbook.com and there's a little... A little button there. It's, it's great for people healing from trauma and who have been dealing with addiction and self-medicating. So if you have a friend like that, grab that book. Um, today, I would like to welcome to my show a couple of extraordinary guests who are also extraordinarily humble people, but they are the creators and the people behind Keys to Recovery Newspaper, Inc., which spreads the message of hope and recovery and is huge as a publication in the recovery community. And uh, their mission and purpose is to give hope that recovery is possible. And I want to tell you a little bit about the paper. Um, It educates communities about alcoholism, drug addiction, eating disorders, gambling addiction, homelessness, domestic violence, and so much more. Uh, Recovery just means so many things, not just addiction. So I find it to be such an in-depth, amazing publication. They also print at no charge a two-page resource guide listing of free services and vital help offered within the communities, which is invaluable. It's in the back of the paper every, every, every single issue. Um, they're not affiliated with any 12-step program, but they do, however, believe in the power of the 12 steps and the principles behind them. Keys to Recovery Newspaper, Inc. is making a strong effort to reach many individuals currently in jails or other types of institutions and offer them information that will assist in their future recovery. And for every paid subscription, they're able to send a free subscription to someone in an institution, which I think is huge. And I hope that you're all listening out there in 125 countries in multiple institutions. Um, now, the people behind Keys to Recovery I'd like to introduce, uh, first of all, is Jeannie Marshall, who is the co-founder and president. She has 35 years of marketing and advertising and PR experience, 10 of those working on a recovery newspaper. And she's uniquely qualified to lead and support this team to achieve their purpose and their mission. And many of you may remember her from Steps to Recovery newspaper years ago, where she worked until 2008 with her business partner and very close friend, Jason Levin, who passed away. Um, Unable to continue working on the paper without him, she chose to go back to corporate America. And after five years of healing, she felt ready and willing and able to go back to her passion, which is carrying this message of hope and recovery through Keys to Recovery newspaper. Um, Jeannie restarted her recovery and sobriety in 1986, and she has a passion to help the helpless, and her favorite principle is service. Um, Now, my second guest is Jeannie's husband and co-founder and vice president. His name is Marcus Marshall, and I'm pleased to have him on, too. Marcus started working at age 13 in the field of service at Somart Children's Spastic Foundation as a patient care technician, and at 18, worked as a counselor in psychiatrics at Chatsworth Health and, and Rehab Center. He also worked in sales and marketing and gathered 25 years' experience in that field as well. Uh, Marcus was derailed by his addictions, and he's very honest about it, which is 
amazing and helpful. And for about 10 years, he was going in and out of jails and prisons, which makes him also uniquely qualified to understand the difficulties of transitioning back into society. Marcus started his recovery in early 2012, and he found himself wanting to get back to his preferred profession, which is patient care. Um, he worked at CryHelp as a lead support technician and attended addiction studies at uh, Pierce College, which helped prepare him for this vocation. So Publishing Keys to Recovery newspaper gives them the opportunity to use all of their life experiences in conjunction to help others. Marcus has a passion for God, for helping others, and to find their way to him, and has a passion for helping the homeless. Marcus's favorite principle is faith. Welcome to my show, Jeannie and Marcus Marshall. Thank you for having us. Yes, absolutely. Thank you very much. I'm delighted to have you. I'm delighted to have you. You know, it's so interesting because there are other recovery circulars and and online things that I read every month in the field that I'm in, which is addiction and recovery, as well as trauma counseling and being an interventionist and all of the things that I do. And I, I really found myself drawn to this one. You know, I, I could have had any of them on, and I really, really wanted you because, first of all, there's just a humbleness and a humility about both of you, and you're both so likable, so kind, <laughs> and um, I really fell in love with the September issue. And so now that we're moving into December, I just couldn't wait to have you on. So one of my first questions, Jeannie, is how did you decide to have a printed newspaper in this day and age of all things digital? I prefer turning a page, but how did you decide to do that? What was the decision-making process? Well, we too. I mean, I love having something in my hands that I touch and feel. And we wanted to be able to get to the people who really, really need us and don't necessarily have access to, you know, the computers or cell phones. So what we want to do is print the paper and get them into prisons and institutions. We also don't even put staples into our newspapers. Oh, that's important. They wouldn't allow that in. That's really important. That's right. So our newspaper goes into the prisons. And and although, I mean, we go from everywhere, from like, you know, Beverly Hills to Skid Row, you know, from Park Place to the park benches. We we always say like from Yale to jail, but we (laughs) thought I like that a lot. (laughs) We thought print would be incredible because we wanted to be able to reach the people that are unreachable sometimes. You know what? It's so smart because there's no substitute. There really is no substitute. And I've seen your paper at the 12-step store, which I love, in West Hollywood. I've Mm -hmm. seen it at beach community restaurants out in Malibu. I've seen it all over the place and, of course, online as well. And then, of course, at many, many holiday events and different things that I go to for several rehabs that I, you know, really, really rehab facilities for addiction and recovery that I really believe in and that I cross-refer and network with, women in addiction treatment, um, you know, I'm a member of that, and, and, and then so many other places that I just stumble across it, and that doesn't happen with the computer, right. and it can't reach a lot of people. You're right. A lot of people can't get it if they're in the system, and it's so important that they be counted as well. Right. And a lot of times people can just pick up a newspaper, put it in their purse or their back pocket, and they can read it later. You can't do that when you're online. Sure, you can bookmark something, but when you have these ads or these newspapers, you're not always sure where, where to go back to get there. You know, sometimes you do a search and you find something and then you have an impossible time finding it again. And right. here, you know, 
we our newspapers are for free. We put them, and we even go into like jails. We go into the sheriff stations. We go everywhere, parole offices, so that people can pick them up and take them with them. You know, I love that. I love it, and it says something on the cover. I'm going to look at it actually right now about passing it on. And I actually found one on an airplane. I meant to tell you that. <laughs> And, uh, you know, I have a lot of sober companions for my sober companioning company where I send them around, and they'll often have one. They just picked it up somewhere, and they travel all over. So it's it's not just California. You know, they're just finding it and picking it up, and I completely believe in that, in, you know, picking up a copy and passing it on and leaving it somewhere. I like when people find my book somewhere. You know, I, I, I love that, that process of discovery. And that's only possible with an actual tangible paper so well good i kind of wondered how you came to that conclusion and did it that way well and then like we love when people take pictures i I know a lot of people they'll they'll take a picture and they text me i can't believe i found your newspaper here you're everywhere and that's what we've been running into is people say i see your newspaper everywhere i went into jerry's deli i went into you know Mm -hmm. and there was the newspaper and that and we love that and jenny schaefer she's one of our she writes our eating disorder yes, column. I was reading that column. Thought. She took it to Prague with her, you know, and she took a picture of it. So oh, I love I'm, that. We have supporters that will, you know, take a stack of our newspapers and hand them out to their friends, their families, take them to their local diners, take them to meetings. So, you know, that is so helpful when people love you, you know. It is really helpful, and I have to say, you, you were two of the most humble people I've ever met, and it, it's a great thing, but I have to say it for you, that at Case to Recovery, they were so humbled to have been awarded four certificates, four certificates of recognition, two from the California legislature, one from the city of Los Angeles, and one from the state of California Senate, and I know all about the humility and how humble you both are, and it's lovely, but you should be so proud of yourselves. Oh, thank you. We, I mean, we were very excited. <laughs> you should be. I love having both of you together today, too, because it's meaningful to have that dialogue of, you know, how, what it's like to work together as a couple, which I'm going to get to that in a minute. And um, <laughs> I really wanted to know also, how did you two meet? How did the two of you meet? How did you cross paths and have this beautiful marriage and union that you have where you have the same purpose? How did that come Well, Marcus tells the story a little bit better than I do. All right. Actually, we're together when I was 17 and he was 19. Marcus, tell me the story. She says you're better at it. Tell us. Well, Jeannie and I, we got together back in 1979. I was 19 years old and she was 18. We uh, were dating. Everything was going very well. We had a very good relationship. No arguments, no disagreements, you know, major ones. And she, uh, she just decided because she thought she was going to be a bad influence on me, because what I did is I came to her one day and I said, sweetie, why don't we both stop indulging in alcohol and drugs <laughs> and let's get clean and sober because I'm starting to become a preacher. And she looked up at me. She says, I love you, Marcus, but I don't want to be a preacher's wife. Because, <laughs> you know, she didn't know what a preacher's wife entailed, but she knew what it didn't ha- allow, and that right. was continue with the addiction. And I respected mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. So I... I found out that she ended up just leaving and going to the Navy. And 33 years later, through the death of a mutual friend, we got mm-hmm. back together. Mm-hmm. And I asked her, what's so different about her? I noticed that, of course, when back in the uh, 70s, she, were, she was very small. She probably was about 95 pounds. 
and short <laughs> auburn hair. And then when I saw her, she was about 120 pounds, and she had long black hair down to her waist. Mm-hmm. And so the appearance was different, but it was something, it was just, I don't know, she just had a confidence about her that I didn't see before. Mm. And I asked her, and she says, I have 26 years of being clean and sober. Now, I understood oh. what sober meant because I, there was times I stopped drinking for five years, three years. But, you know, I did it basically for, for encouraging others to stop. It wasn't for myself. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, but I didn't understand what clean was. She told me that's not doing any other drugs. And I said, oh, okay. <laughs> well, it wasn't me <laughs> then. leave them all behind, <laughs> all of them. <laughs> yes, because from 1972 when I started back in junior high school all the way to 2012 when I finally accepted, you know, my higher powers way of living. Mm-hmm. That was 40 years of continual um, addiction. And yeah. 40 years is a long time to do the same thing repeatedly. Yeah, hard so, habits to break. Hard habits oh, to break. absolutely. So she showed me the 12-step program. I went in there and fell in love within about three weeks after going. I started uh, my sobriety date, which is February 22nd. 2012, and we met for the first time January 15, 2012. Yeah. And you know what? He took to to sobriety like a fish to water. I mean, because he had that strong, you know, belief in God when he was, you know, asked to turn his entire will and, you know, life over to the care of God, he was like, okay, you know. No, that's such a strong foundation to have. It's such a strong foundation to have. And it's it's interesting because I'm a doctor of theology, but I'm interfaith. And I always speak of higher power just so I don't put people off with the God thing. You know how that can get in right. meetings that the new the newbies are kind of like, what is this? You know, I'm not talking about, I didn't come, come to the meeting to go to church. So I'm, right. I'm interfaith and I do all sorts of different things, also smart recovery. And I know you guys believe in all different methods as well, that you're not affiliated with any 12-step programs. But I absolutely believe in the power of that and in community. And what a beautiful way to meet. And I love that you know your sobriety date, Marcus, because I'm not like that. I'm one of those people that was toe in the water, toe out of the water, toe in the water, toe out of the water. And I used to subscribe to that theory of, um, well, you've lost all your clean time, you know, because I had a, had wisdom teeth removed and had to take medication or uh, had trauma from my assaults and had to take, um, before I learned more holistic ways of, of grounding myself, I had to take things for chronic anxiety and PTSD. And I felt like I'd lost my clean time. And I just, I really believe that people accumulate it. And I think it's beautiful when you know your sobriety date, but I, I can never tell my patients or clients mine because it was, I have to say, it was on again, off again. It was, it was like I'd break up with my sobriety from time to time and then circle back. And it's been years now. It's been almost a decade now, but I'll have to say, I have to be honest, there were times where I did the dance, I did the cha-cha, you know, I stepped in and I stepped back out. And um, it's, it's just such a, such a beautiful reality to live life on life's terms and to be clean and clear. And I love that when Jeannie said clean and sober, that you're like, what does that mean? <laughs> I have to take the rest of it off too. But that's, that's so honest. And that's, that's a big part of why I think your paper is so well received. The honesty, the quality of the, the practitioners and clinicians and, 
and institutions and you know and facilities that you have in here it's it's just it's priceless and i particularly am fond of because i don't always have it at my fingertips for my clients having that resource guide in the back that has everything from suicide hotlines to rain and rape and and incest addiction you know addiction hotlines everything and it's it's really really helpful to have it on paper yeah definitely that's what we find too it's like when we take our newspaper to um uh, meeting halls, you know, a lot of times people, you know, they'll be homeless people and they're not really sure what to do with them. They don't want to just send them away. So we make sure that we have, like, the homeless shelters. We make sure that we have the food banks or the places that serve food every day. Mm-hmm. And just because a lot of times people don't have money, but if they could say, hey, if you go down the street and take a left, you can get yourself some lunch. And we just, you know, a lot of times it's it's hard to turn somebody away and it's hard to to help them, you know. Right. Right. And and some areas aren't our area of expertise, you know, everyone has a different area of of specialty expertise and I always think it's a it really isn't doing anyone any favors to pretend you're a grief counselor if you're not or to pretend right. you work in rape crisis and rape trauma if you don't, which I do, but I have people who say, "Oh, my doctor said I should be over this by now." And I say, "Are you kidding me? They said that to you?" You know, and and it turns out that they went to a narrative therapist instead. And you think that's just that's great for when you need that, but that's not great for when you need something else and it has to be specific to your needs and not everyone has access to Google psychology today and to Google a certain topic and find what I do or what other doctors and therapists and counselors in your paper do. And it's, it's invaluable. It really is. So I was delighted to see that that's always in the back. And it means a lot. You know, it means a lot to that person who's reading through it and going through something and they can find specifically the, the number for the topic that they're dealing with. I think that's just one of the best parts. Right, and, we're st- and we've started recently a new column, the PTSD, because so many people are really um, writing about it, but they're also realizing that, you know, originally, you know, most people thought if you were a veteran, you had PTSD mm-hmm. or a horrific thing, you know, but what they're realizing is that people in recovery, when they're out there, so many things happen, as well as like, you know, of course, the rape victims and, you know, the... When, but when you're out on the streets and you're using and you're drinking, there is a lot of things that happen when people go in and out of institutions and prisons. And so Jenny right. Schaefer wrote the first one. So she's going back and forth between the eating disorder and the PTSD. Yes. But we love getting experts to write for us. You know, and we get newcomers sometimes, too, that are just writing about their own recovery, you know, right. which is really helpful. But, you know, I read your book, and I loved it. I got to oh, tell you. thank you, Janie. I read it, and Mark is like, you're almost done with it. And I go, I know. <laughs> and I was really, we were in bed. He's like, you can't put it down. I said, I can't, you know. You know, I, I appreciate said, that. But I'm telling you because, you know, I, you know, I'm 30-plus years sober. I sponsor so many women. And, you know, I when I'm at meetings or whatever, Sometimes I believe we bring like souls to ourselves. Some, mm-hmm. um, also, if I'll, in my pitch, if I'm speaking at a meeting, I do a lot of speaking engagements at, you know, affiliated with the program. Mm-hmm. But women will come up to me afterwards and they'll be like, how can you talk about that, you know? And, yeah. you know, it's just, it's, it's so important that people get help and they don't realize. And one of the things I, I heard you say just now, but I also heard, 
heard in your book mm. that resonated with me and that is something that I'm going to just really carry on to the women that I come across is that, you know, healing is a process. And everybody does it differently, and nobody does it overnight. And no. I remember, you know, I, you know, when I lost Jason Levin, he was like my best friend, and we worked together every day. We laughed. I mean, mm. and when he died, it was extremely traumatizing to me. But I didn't know, you know. He right. Had, we were at work. He went down. I was performing CPR on him. He, you know, he never really came back 100%, and then two months oh. later, he died. And that's a huge like, loss. That's a huge loss. Like, you saw all of it with your own two eyes as well, and were participating right. in the CPR. It's p- things that people see and experience that they don't realize are as traumatic as they are. Uh, it's it's really tough, and you don't always come back from that. And it's certainly not a, a quick comeback when you do. But what I kept hearing was, "You're not over that yet. That it's." been a long time aren't you don't you think you're being a little dramatic mm. and i and i would question myself and i'd be like am i being dramatic it, you know and it's but i mean when i was using i lost a lot of people but yeah. i was not yeah. present and i you know i believe that that was a blessing from god because i don't know that i could have handled half the trauma i went through if i wasn't completely out of my mind on drugs right. and alcohol Right. But this was 100% sober, and I was like, this is crazy. I've been through so much worse. Why is this affecting me? You know, it's, it's interesting. My... That's the thing. It's because there's a continuum of trauma, as you know, and one person can have a breakup that's traumatic and affects them forever, and not forever if they do the, if they do the work and come <laughs> in for treatment, but other people can have rape and kidnap like I did, and people think the same. How are you talking about this? How have you written a book about this? How have you gotten sober? How have you rebuilt your life from this? And that's what made me want to write the book. And thank you that you emailed me this weekend about reading it, and it really touched my heart. And it means so much to me when when it resonates with people because you don't get over things. You get through them. And that's a lot of what I write about and expect delays because – I couldn't get over anything, and just all the people who say the wrong things. And it, it's amazing how often that happens. And I also didn't know. I'm so glad that you have Jeannie, uh, uh, Jenny Schaefer writing about PTSD because it is such an odd animal to so many people. They don't understand what it is. I didn't know when I had it. Someone told me I probably had it. This was way before I was in this field. And I thought, you know, this is 12 years ago, and I thought, how could I have PTSD? How could I have PTSD? I haven't been through a war, but I have. When you're fighting for your life, you have. And I had a friend who woke up next to her husband, her childhood sweetheart, and he was dead. And she had PTSD because what an experience to wake up next to your dear loved one and they're dead. And she didn't realize she could have PTSD from that, and nor did I until all of my work years later and all of the treatment she had as well. And it's it's an, it's just a completely different circumstance that, that than any other, really, to have uh, post-traumatic stress disorder. And I'm so glad that your paper is bringing light to that as well. Well, listen, we're going to go to the break in a second. But before we do, I would love you to give out your website. Okay. It is keystorecoverynewspaper.com. And with Facebook, it's the same, Keys to Recovery Newspaper. And also with Instagram, my daughter hooked me up. It's Keys to Recovery <laughs> Newspaper. And our phone number is 818-312-4233. 
Fantastic. And I am reachable at DanielleDelaneyCounseling.com. All of my information is there for reaching me on social media. And we will be right back and continue talking to Jeannie and Marshall and possibly a surprise guest. So we'll be right back. Live up to your fullest potential. This is the Voice America Empowerment Channel. We hear just be you a lot these days. But who are you? What is an authentic life? The answer to these questions and more will be answered on The Authentic Living Show, hosted by Andrea Matthews. Andrea will interview some of today's spiritual, psychological experts and will provide her own wisdom to help you raise your consciousness to the level of your I am. Listen for Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Heard live every Wednesday afternoon at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. How do you define work? Is it that mundane Monday through Friday place that seems to be sucking a third of your life out of you? Or have you made it a place of personal fulfillment, achievement, and purpose? If you are looking to make your work life the latter, tune in to Working on Purpose with Elise Cortez. There are all kinds of inspiring work-life stories told by people who have made work something to look forward to every day. Working on Purpose can be heard every Wednesday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific on Voice America Empowerment. Are you tired of strained relationships that don't work? We all have at least one, a family member, friend, or coworker we struggle to understand and deal with. Now you can improve those relationships fast with simple tools and skills. Tune into Relationship Radio with Nicole Cunningham and Kim Giles. You'll learn how to have a better marriage, improve communication with your kids, and reduce stress at work. Listen live every Thursday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time and 12 noon Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Become a member of VoiceAmerica.com. It's easy and best of all, it's free. Start out by going to our homepage or any of our channels and click register at the top. Once you've created an account and signed in, you can create your own custom library, opt into our newsletter, search by show, host, guest, or topic of interest, or browse millions of hours of content across all of our Voice America radio channels. Membership gets you more. Visit VoiceAmerica.com today to get started and tailor the listening experience to your taste. Live up to your fullest potential. This is the Voice America Empowerment Channel. You are tuned in to The Real Deal with Danielle Delaney. If you'd like to connect with Danielle, feel free to send an email to therealdealwithdanielle at gmail.com. That's therealdealwithdanielle at gmail.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back. You're listening to The Real Deal with Danielle Delaney. I'm Danielle Delaney, and today I have my guests, Jeannie and Marcus Marshall, the co-founders and president and vice president of Keys to Recovery Newspaper, Inc., and I'm just delighted to have them on today. You guys are really just a delight to talk to because you have so much to contribute to the field of recovery, and and recovery in all areas is what I love about this paper, too. It's gambling addiction. Um, Catherine Lyon, who wrote that amazing book, um, Addicted to Dimes, you know, I just see her as a contributor. I see all of these other people I know as contributors to different things. There's recovery from all sorts of, of, of issues, from eating disorders to addiction to to gambling, to all of it, and working so much with the homeless. So I just have 
a huge measure of respect for both of you. And I have a few more questions to ask you. Um, Jeannie, I would love to ask you about your principle of service that you say is so important to you. I understand it, but I'd like all these millions of listeners to know what that means. Well, you know, somebody took the time to help me. And I remember my first, my very first meeting and someone reaching out to me and my sponsor just scooping me up. And I know that most people were scared of me and, Mm. you know, I was very vulnerable but very hard. And she stepped in and not only did she take me to meetings, but she actually moved me into her house. And she gave me money to go to meetings every day and she just really invested a lot in me. And I basically feel like... She rescued me from myself, hmm. and and she just did it in a very simple, organic way. It was just it's what she did, it's what her heart told her to do. And in turn, I believe that I need to live a life that is worthy of what she did for me. And basically, I believe that I can't. It's the principle of AA, you know, of, mm-hmm. in so many spiritual programs that once you have it, that you have to give it away. Once you're rescued, you have to turn around and rescue someone else. I remember I wrote, mm-hmm. I read this book, um, The Easy Way to Stop Smoking, and it actually did help me stop smoking. <laughs> good, good. Now, but at the end of it, he says, once you stop, don't forget the other people. Go back and help somebody else. Oh, wow, and it was, beautiful. like, incredible. So it, for me, I just know, like, we, me and Marcus, we are in service all the time. I mean, mm-hmm. from morning till night, we go to, you know, whether it's at a meetings or, like, <clears throat> we, whether we do a march, you know, whether, no matter what we're doing, working with the homeless, feeding the homeless, we have a commitment once a month where we make dinner, we purchase dinner, make dinner, serve dinner, and clean up to the homeless veterans over at PATH, which is people assisting the homeless in L.A. Mm. <clears throat> and that's something we do every month just for ourselves. So whether it is AA-related or whether it's outside and just at our church, no matter where we go, we believe that, you know, I believe that, Mar- you know, Marcus told me who, when someone is given a lot, a lot is expected of and them. And that's the truth. Yeah. And that's the truth. It's really important, and I love that you have that perspective about service. And, the, you know, it's, it's so interesting because you do want to go back and help people. And when we were talking about loss and PTSD and that we go through this trauma before the break, we were talking about that. And I wanted to say also, and it, it kind of speaks to this topic of service as well, that when we lose people, it is traumatic, you know, when we lose loved ones to death or to addiction. But it's also that when we become sober, we tend to lose people. And a lot of people right. don't realize that. It's, it's uh, I, as much as I lost people when they heard the word rape or when my sister had a brain tumor, she lost a lot of people. Because people disappear. They don't think they're going to get better. But you lose people that you thought were your good friends, too, <laughs> while you're right. learning about yourself and healing and moving forward in your sobriety. And that's traumatic in itself as well. You realize, oh, okay, these people don't think I'm any fun anymore when I'm just as fun with cranberry juice and a lime in my hand, really. I'm more fun because I'm more aware and I'm more authentically myself and I'm paying attention to what people have to say and I'm more productive and healthier and happier and, um, you know, just, just living living an authentic life and being congruent with my thoughts and feelings and actions. But we lose people. And it's, it's in being of service, I find, being able to pay it forward to those who want it 
because some people don't want it and we can't drag them. You know, we can't drag them. So I think that's such a beautiful principle of service. And it also, it's a principle that helps us with the trauma of losing some of the people that we lose when we do move forward and find our higher selves and evolve. You want to evolve anyway, but you do sometimes lose people and, and it's not a loss for us. Some of the time, you know, it's something that would have pulled you back. But that being of service can kind of replace that need, that social time that you used to have. Also, I believe that it helped me turn all of that pain into a purpose. You know, it it doesn't, you know, make what happened okay or right. But what it does is I'm able to turn everything into something with a purpose, which makes me feel like I can live with a purpose, on purpose, for a purpose, you know? Right. It has meaning. And I always tell people only God could turn this mess of a woman into a woman with a message, and that's <laughs> where my service Ooh, I like that, a mess of a woman into a woman with a message. Very clever, very clever. <laughs> but it also makes me feel good, you know? It's like, oh, I feel like I have a purpose. And, I mean, you know how it is when you see the lights come on and you know that your pain has helped that person transition into... Yes a little bit of recovery, it's like, oh, you know. Yes, I mean, it is. It's such an, it's such a, uh, people, the feeling that you get when people really light up and have that moment of, that speaks to me. I understand that now. That makes me feel better. And people will say to me all the time, how on earth can you listen to people dealing with their child's addiction, dealing with their own addiction, dealing with trauma, with rape, with molestation, with, uh, you know, the recovery that comes with those things, hopefully, you know, as we work on it and work toward it. And my sober companions I have flying around the world, some of them have a problem. And, you know, there's something going on at all times. And I'm in session and I'm doing the radio show and I'm writing always an article or my book or something. And people don't understand that it actually feeds me. Like, I'm not tired. I, I get tired, like, of course, like anyone else. But that feeling when someone hugs you after session and says, why didn't I find you sooner? Or thank right. you because something you said really touched me. It, there's just nothing like it. There's, it's the highest high I think I've ever felt. And, oh. and believe me, I felt a lot of highs. <laughs> so <laughs> back in the day, like not to glorify it, but I, I certainly, you know, tried pretty, a lot of things. And I find that it really is more of a high to know you made a difference. And when I close that door and sigh, okay, that was one, you know, that was a serious one. And they all are. It's, it's also just like breathing in and breathing out, just that relief that I found a purpose. I found something that really does matter to me. And uh, it means the world. Now, Marcus, I'd love to hear more about your, uh, your, that principle of faith that means so much to you. And I usually speak of higher power. Like I said, I'm interfaith, but I know that you speak of God, and I want to hear your take on that. I want to hear how you bring people to God and how, what that means to you. Tell me a little bit about that. Well, I was raised in a church from the early 60s up, and I had a mother of great faith. My mother was from Nuremberg, Germany, mm. and so I'm of mixed ethnicity. My father is black and Indian, African-American and Indian, and my mother was German and Jewish. Wow. And, <laughs> and, you know, and being of that, I had to have a lot of inner strength, because I was born and raised in Pacoima, which was predominantly black. So mm-hmm. I was getting it from both ends, you know, from the young kids, because their parents were told, them, told them that I was different and they shouldn't associate with me and be friends with me. So I had a little bit of a hard upbringing. So my That's faith tough. in God strengthened me. And my mother was such a loving woman. She always told us that do not be upset at them. 
Don't don't hate them. It's just unfortunate that they don't know the love of God. If they did, they wouldn't treat you like that. So mm-hmm. she instilled that in us. But my, you know, and you being having a biblical background, you know that faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Not seen exactly. And that is what I stand on. I believe all things are possible, and that's what I try to impart to a lot of individuals. I didn't become a preacher, but I do teach the word, and. It's really interesting when I heard you and my wife talking about, you know, trauma. Mm-hmm. I never really correlated this, but I remember back in 1988, I was engaged to be married. And the young lady that I was engaged to was walking across the street and got hit and killed by a car. Oh. And it, you know, it blew me out the water because I was on my way to doing a prison term for the very first time. I got caught up in a raid. And at oh. that time, they were fabricating information, but to them, it, it was by any means possible. So I understood where they were coming from, and I accepted that, because I shouldn't have been out in that area to begin with. But, you know, and then, t- I, I, you know, I went to prison, in and out of prison, as, uh, you know, as you know, and I did about almost a, 11 years, you know, through uh, what we call the, um, <laughs> you know, installment plan. What do you but call that? The installment plan, oh, different like installments. That. Yes, and it was you know it was it was difficult, but I I, I endured, and it was only because of the grace of God and my faith. And but also, it's interesting too because yes, because ten years after her death, I got together with a young lady, and we were together not even forty five days when we both found out she was terminally ill, and she passed away five years later. Wow, talk about a so, lot of trauma, Marcus. You've had a lot of trauma that your faith has had to carry you through. Yes, yes, and he he sustained me totally. And during my my time in prison, my mother died. Oh, I'm so sorry. Yes, thank you. We were very, very close. So all of these, you know, these situations occurred, but at each and every time, God gave me the inner strength. I saw, I never never blamed him. I I thanked him for the times that I had with him because he didn't have to allow me to have one day with him, let alone the time that he gave me. Right, right. really ironic because Jeannie was my very first love hmm. and back in 1979 and there were only two other women I truly loved enough to want to marry was was uh, Gloria and Kathy that passed away and in hmm. a, another 10-year increment Jeannie comes back into my life. You know it's interesting so, how things go the way they're supposed to go in matters of the heart, they really do, and it's always rejection's God's protection. Uh, there I, I speak of God clearly because I've known that to be very true. I've been redirected and turned out he did me a huge favor. Now, on that note, we're going to come back to that, but what, uh, we have a surprise guest calling in. We have Alonzo Bowden on the line, and he is a dear friend of Janie and Marcus Marshalls. Alonzo, welcome to my show. Hello, good morning, good afternoon, good night, or whatever time it might be where you're at. I know, I really appreciate you calling as you're trotting around this big blue marble. I know you're working and you're busy. Um, I want to give you a proper introduction. Alonzo Bowden, his first big comedy break came when he was on the New Faces of Comedy Showcase at Just for Laughs in Montreal. And uh, Alonzo was first introduced to America on NBC's Last Comic Standing, where he won the season three, the season three, season three's best of the best. 
and he's known for his social and political commentary, um, a regular panelist on NPR's Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me. And Alonso has starred in his second Showtime comedy special titled Historically Incorrect in February of 2016. You have done so much, Alonzo. You've had all these appearances on Jay Leno, Jay Leno's Garage, performed on The Tonight Show, performed on Conan O'Brien. I'm delighted to have you here. So, welcome. Thank you. Thank you. And Thank tell you. me a little bit. Well, you say hi to Jeannie and Marshall, first of all. They're your hey, friends. Jeannie. How are you guys doing? Hey, Alonzo. Thank hey. you so much for calling. Yeah, yeah of course. Marshall, you're there, too? <laughs> yes, I am. How you doing, big guy? All right. Good, man. Good. <laughs> And my friend Walter Gauze, who had a huge hand in creating Last Comic Standing, said to tell you hello. So, hello oh, from Walter yeah. Gauze, too. <laughs> but, uh, I'd love you to tell me a little bit about your recovery, Alonzo, and what Keys to Recovery newspaper means to you. If you can fill me in a little bit on your history there. Well, uh, I've got 29 years uh, as Tom Kay, who used to run Studio 12, the place I got sober, would say, 29 years of sobriety, not marred by one day of spiritual growth. So yeah, <laughs> we tend to hold on to that record. Uh, <laughs> I like it. I like it. Tom Kay, well, it, you're it not actually, right. I mean, it, the, the, um, the, where, where it all comes together is had I not got sober, I wouldn't have found comedy. Um, I did get sober. My home group, my main meetings were at a place called Studio 12. And the way I describe it is the stars went to Betty Ford and the crew went to Studio 12. <laughs> so I was around, you know, grips and electricians and makeup people and camera people and all of those, you know. Mm-hmm. And what they did besides helping me get sober, and believe me, they, I can't went to the old school of sit down, shut up, and listen. Mm-hmm. And they, I describe it quite simply. These guys laughed at me until I could laugh at myself. And um, at about five years sober, I was back to work in my old industry, which was aerospace. Wow. I was training new airplane mechanics. I was making them laugh. And I told my sponsor at the time, I want to be a comic. And he said, you could do it. And they supported me. I took this comedy class. A bunch of them came out to my first show in support. Uh, people laughed, and I was absolutely hooked. So, you know, what? But when we say don't leave before the miracle happens, my miracle came at five years of sobriety. Wow. Um, and it, I definitely, like, attribute it to the fact that I was around people who were creative, who were open. Uh, mm-hmm. My sponsor was big on don't worry about the money. Just do what you love. The money will take money care will of itself. The money will follow. Mm-hmm. And that has been true for the most part. I could still use a network sitcom. I ain't going to lie. I have friends who are multimillionaires. You know, most being a multimillionaire sure would be a much more interesting talk. So, you'll get it. You know. Your mouth to God's ears. Yeah. No, but it. that was it. So so keys to recovery and uh, and such, it keeps me in touch in the sense that I'm I travel all the time. So mm-hmm. while I do have a regular home group and a regular meeting I get to, sometimes when I say on the road, like I've done, you know, Pakistan and, uh, <laughs> you know, I've been all through the Middle East. I've been through places where, you, you know, you're probably not going to get to that Saturday morning meeting. No, you might not. So it, it keeps me in touch. And, uh, yeah, and that's one of the benefits of having it. I mean, it's now, you know, between like that, this being published and the online versions and, you know, 
connections mm-hmm. through Facebook, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, you have access like when, um, I don't know, when you came in. I came in in the 80s. <laughs> and, you know, I, t- I, tell, no, I tell kids, like, we used to have to find a phone, you know, and you had to have pay phones. I, listen, I got sober with pay phones and watched pagers come in. Oh, yeah, they had no idea what we had to go through just to connect with another human being. It scares them. It scares them. I don't like to tell them. Millennials are very (laughs) easily shattered. And if you tell them that you had to talk on a phone in public that other people spoke on and you couldn't, you know, clean all the germs off of it. Yeah, you just, you couldn't, you know, clean all the germs off of it and everything else. Like, yeah, Yeah, there was no Purell hanging next to the payphone on the corner of 86th Street. They would die because... Now they can't touch a shopping cart at Whole Foods. Oh no! <laughs> but uh, yeah, so that I mean, but that's what it is. It's a, it's a matter of staying in touch, which is uh, which is nice. It's really helpful, and it doesn't hurt that Jeannie and Marshall are so charming and so humble. And I'm just delighted you were able to reach out to us today because I know that you're running all over the place and working all over the place. And I have to tell you that from last comic standing to just looking at some things online of you last night, you are truly hilarious. You were so entertaining because being sober and watching comedy was a whole new thing for me. I used to watch comedy at the Laugh Factory. I would, you know, cut school and drive over the hill. I'm from L.A. And I would watch Jamie Masada would let us in with fake ID, me and my friend Elaine Geffen. We were terrible. But we would drink and party and laugh through comedy routines. And there's a three-drink minimum for a reason because some people just aren't funny. And I can watch you talk about man versus mother nature and, you know, here's my big house and whoosh, it's gone. And you just talk about real things. You're amusing and it's, it's a political commentary and it's a, a human con- commentary on the human condition. And you never fail to make me just crack up. And I'm sober. So that means you are truly funny. Well, thanks. I mean, the factory, it's cool you mention it because that's absolutely my home club. I oh, love yeah? the last factory. But, you know, the thing about laughing sober, and this is, I call these things full circle experiences where I was on one side of it and then I come around and I'm on the other side of it. Mm-hmm. So at, th- at three years sober, before I ever even thought about being a comic, I went to a show called Yuckaholics, which we do in West L.A. every year. And I've heard of that. And it's a huge show. And it's a fundraiser for recovery homes, but it's really fun. And then once I became a comic... I was invited to perform at Yuckaholics, which was a blast because now I was, you know, one of the comics and on stage. And we have a meeting before the show, and it's just comics at the meeting. And it goes from, you know, the sad, depressed side of comics to the hilarious, funny side of comics. It's Mm -hmm. just us. But, But one of the things the veterans of the show told me, they said, listen, when you do this show, you're going to have people come up to you and say, it's the first time they laughed sober. Didn't know they could laugh sober. Yes, and that uh, is huge. We, that is huge. Yeah. yeah. We do a daytime show, and it's a lot of the people who are in the recovery homes. And, yeah, they're like, I never thought I could have fun sober. And that that's a big gift for us to 
to be able to do that for them, to give well, that. Well, it, it means a lot because, to tell you the truth, I mean, you've had a movie con- career that's even Steve Martin movies, Queen Latifah, Bringing Down the House, Leslie Nielsen, and Scary Movie 4. You've been in so many things, and you're always funny. But there are a lot of things I watched, and before I was sober, I also realized I, I was thinking things were funny, and I couldn't even remember them the next day. I couldn't remember the joke because everything's funny when you're liquored up and you're kind of foolishly, you know, being a fool and laughing along. And your comedy transcends that. And I'm glad that with the alcoholics, people say that to you because it's, it's truly meaningful to find the light and the humor and the good parts in life without needing to be self-medicated and out of it. So it's, it's a huge service that you do for people. So I appreciate that they say that to you. And it's, it's absolutely the truth. And you're welcome. It's you the flatter, truth. You flatter me with my movie career, but let's well, get honest. Here. I think you flatter yourself I've played, with your movie career. I've Not played everyone a security, works with Steve Martin. <laughs> I've played a security guard in movies to Steve Martin and Queen Latifah and Leslie Nielsen. You know, pretty much. Well, you know what? So many out. people have not. So. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I think it's I beautiful. It. Those, I think it's great. Those kind of jobs. Those kind of jobs are fun. But yeah, when I get to perform. In the program, and another thing, and this was this was a very funny and very cool thing. When I was in Last Comic Standing, mm-hmm. and we got to the final episode, we were shooting at uh, the Alex Theater in L.A. <laughs> like I talked about my recovery, you know, when they do like like little bio packages on us, you know, and uh-huh. somehow it came up, mentioned it, and a whole group of people came to the show from, you know, various uh, 12-step programs. And, like, they had signs and everything, and <laughs> the producers of the show were telling them, like, no, you can't do that. You can't hold up signs. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but it was very cool. I, I got so much support from people in recovery. And this, this was, again, I don't want to scare the kids, but this was before Facebook and Twitter. Back in the day. They would, actually, they would send me stuff on MySpace. Look it up, kids. Look it up. It's I remember MySpace, but yeah, these kids may not. That's hysterical. Yeah, yeah. they they would say, and uh, and they would be like, you know, I'm sober and I support you, or I'm just so happy to see you doing what you're doing, and so on. So all of that was, yeah, it was all very cool. Very well, cool. it means a lot. And Alonzo, we're about to close out the show, so thank you for calling. And I want to know where what's your website so that people can see your comedy, see you. <laughs> Know what your lineup is, where you're performing next, where can I am, reach you? you? You can always find me at alonzoboden.com. Boden is B-O-D-D-E-N. Or you can simply Google Comic Alonzo, and it's going to either be me or Christella Alonzo, who is a Latina woman comic, and you could tell she's not me. Uh, <laughs> That would be fairly um, obvious. That would be fairly obvious. Well, thank you Uh, for joining us today. I really appreciate you being here. And Jeannie and Marshall, keep doing what you're doing. Thank you again. And uh, until next time, everyone, do well, be well, stay well, and we'll speak again. Take care. Thank you. Thank you so very much. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for joining us this week. Be sure to catch The Real Deal with Danielle Delaney live every Tuesday afternoon at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. We can't wait for you to see what's in store next week.
The Voice America Live Events Channel is here now to showcase your corporate, individual, or organization's live event. Visit voiceamerica.com forward slash live events to see all of our past live events and find out more. Whether it's a multi-day conference, special speaker, or single-day event, we've got everything to make your event a success. We can do a few hours or a few days. For more information about taking your event to the next level, call Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or email info at voiceamerica.com. Again, that's Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or send us an email to info at voiceamerica.com. Voice America is where you are and where you want to be. Join us around the globe as we broadcast live from some of the most interesting events available. Don't forget to view all our live events, including on-demand access to past events that you may have missed by visiting voiceamerica.com forward slash live events. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit facebook.com forward slash voice America. Who are you, really? Are you the person you want to be, or are you the person that others want you to be? Think about that. We don't always recognize our gifts and potential because we stick to old methods of being and do what others in our lives tell us. It's time to break through. Listen for Rediscovering the Magic of Being with Marja. Each program connects you back to whom you were meant to be every Tuesday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time and 10 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Tune in. We all have unique experiences and outlooks when it comes to leadership and team building. Yet sometimes we clash, even when trying to achieve the exact same goals. Check out Unleash Your Inner Goldilocks, How to Get It Just Right. Your host is Dr. Cass Henry. A shared journey equals success. And every human interaction has the power to achieve this success by working together. Tune in every Thursday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time and 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Now there's a new destination for video content, voiceamerica.tv, just like our radio channels and so much more. Voice America Variety, Health and Wellness, Business, Sports, Green Talk, Power Up Motorsports, and 7th Wave Network now have their own video channel components. Plus, check out exclusive programming, including movies, music, educational courses, science and history, current events, and short features. High-definition, premier quality programs available 24-7 voiceamerica.tv If you think you've seen online TV like this before, let us surprise you. Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog, Press Pass? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective. Plus topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite host. It's just a click away at VAPressPass.com. That's VAPressPass.com. VA Press Pass by Voice America. All access, all the time. 